On the uh, first night of Slichus, we enter into a new dimension of time. We enter into the period of the Yom Neirayim. In fact, in one of the comments, uh, commentaries on the bottom of the Seitzim Mate Ephraim, called the Ksei Hamate, quotes that some had the minig to begin Mariv of Motzei Shabbos in the first night of Slichus in the Nigan of the Yom Neirayim. That's how they would begin Vuhu Rachum. In order to indicate that the period of the Yom Neirayim had already begun. And therefore, even though the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch is to begin uh, saying Slichus on Rosh Chodesh Elul 30 days uh, prior uh, to Rosh Hashanah, throughout the entire month of Elul, the minig of the Ramah of Ashkenazim is to only begin saying Slichus a few days prior to Rosh Hashanah, four or five days, depending on the year. <clears throat> and this is confusing because typically we prepare for a Yantif for a period of 30 days, Shloshim Yom, Kedem so why don't we all begin saying Slichus on Rosh Chodesh Elul? And moreover, the Svardim, Shulchan uh, is usually a little bit more mako than the Ramah. They have it a little bit easier than we do. They only have one person who lights the Menorah. They eat kidneys on Pesach. The Ramah is usually more machmir than the Shulchan Aruch. So why is it that when it comes to saying Slichus, Shulchan Aruch's opinion is to already begin saying from Rosh Chodesh Elul, the Ramah's opinion is to only say it a few days prior to Rosh Hashanah. So Moshe Shapiro explains, based on a comment of the Grah, quotes from the Ran, that this is the source of the Ramah, is because uh, Adam Arishan was created on Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, says the Ran, Kaddish Baruch began creating the world five days uh, beforehand on Chof Hei Elul. And it is then that we begin saying Slichus, corresponding to the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu began creating the world. Moshe Shapiro explains that it's because it was on that day that we entered into this new dimension of time to the period of the Yamim Neirayim on Chav Elo a few days prior to Rosh Hashanah, which corresponds to the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu began creating the world. That's what begins this new period of time. And it's because we're entering into a new period of time, the period of the Yamim Neirayim, that demands that we say Slichus, uh, an, an additional tefillah of the day. The Lavush notes that uh, observes that the structure of the Slichus is similar to the structure of the other tefillahs of the day, of Mincha and Shachris. We begin uh, Slichus with Ashrei, with the Chashem which is in place of praises of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is in place of the Psuke de Zimra, and satisfies the requirement of the Gemara Masech des Brachas of Lo Elam Yisader Adam Shvachas Shal Kadosh Baruch Hu Achakach Yis Pahel. Before a person asks for that which he needs from a Kadosh Baruch Hu, so he's uh, supposed to praise the Rebbeinu Shalalam. And then we follow the Ashrei Luchasham Asakah Shemei Atzilu the Yugim Omidas Harachamim. And that's uh, in place of the Shmona Esrei. That's why Shmona Esrei, the Gemara says in Shabbos, requires that a person uh, cover his head with his talus. He do ituf with his Taoist. And similarly, the Gemara says in Masech Lezor Shoshana, commenting the post, in Parashas Kisi, Sevayav HaRashem Alpana Vayikra, Melamed Shinesatev HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kishliach Tzibar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu covered his, he- his head like a Shliach Tzibar, Veherala Lamaisha Seder Tfilah. And he showed Moshe Rabbeinu how to recite the Yogim Amidus HaRachmim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu covered his head with the Taoist, Kriyachol, in order to recite the Yogim Amidus HaRachmim, just like Shemona uh, Esrei. And then we conclude, we follow, we conclude the slichas, we follow the Yigam Amidus HaRachamim, 
with Tachnan and Kaddish Shizkabel, just like we do by Shachar, just like we do by Mincha. The structure of the Slichus is like the structure of all the other Tfilas uh, of the day. Why do we have to offer a fourth Tfilah during this period of time, the period of the Yomim Nairoim? Ramosh Shapiro continues, and he quotes him as Svasemes, basing himself off the Talmud Yushalmi, Mesef Tzbrachis, that typically we recite three tefillahs during the day because we experience three different changes uh, of time on a daily basis. When the sun arises above the horizon, so at that period of the day, we offer a tefillah, when the sun moves from the east side of the sky to the west side of the sky, so we offer another tefillah, we offer tefillahs mincha, and when the sun dips below the horizon, we offer a third tefillah, we offer mairev. Because those are the three different time periods that we experience on a daily basis. And during each time period, we have to affirm our allegiance to serving the Rebbeinu Shalalim. However, Moshe Shabira claims that during this period of the year, corresponding to the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu began creating the world, a few days prior to Rosh Hashanah, we have now entered into a new dimension of time, a new period of the year, of the Yom Im And therefore, that demands, that's why the Ramah feels, that demands that we say a new tefillah. A fourth feel of the day that we say slichas, because we're now experiencing a new change, new uh, change in time period. We've now entered into the Yom Nairoim. Perhaps it's for that reason that slichas have to be recited dafka uh, at night, or ideally at night. The Shulchan Aruch prescribes a person should say slichas v'ashmeres habayker, which is at the end of the night, uh, right before Aloy Sashrocha. Magen Avram says if a person is too difficult, a person could already begin saying slichas from chatzos halayla and on. From chatzos halayla until alois hashachar is the ideal time for saying slichas. The Ramah explains because that's an ace rotten before Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Prior to chatzos halayla is an ace din. After chatzos halayla is an ace rotten. The Matafraim says if you can't say it after chatzos halayla before Hashmaris habayker, second best is to say it in the morning prior to shafras. Rabbi writes in the Chavadas that. Uh, a person to say slichas before chatzayis halayla says it's better not to say slichas at all. He says, if anything, you make your situation worse. So it's like a person is approaching a Kaddish Baruch when he's angry at you and you ask him for favors. So it's not going to improve your situation. If anything, it'll make it worse. So therefore, it says, better not to say slichas at all. Others disagree because the Gemara says in Masech Baruch is commenting in the Pasuk in Tehillim, Vanit, Filasi, Lecha Hashem, Eisratzayin. One is an Esratzen before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Whenever the Tzibur gathers together to daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that in, uh, declare, makes it into an Esratzen. Even though inherently it wasn't an Esratzen, that makes it into a Ratzen by definition of the fact that the Tzibur is davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, Ramayisha suggests that perhaps if you can't say Sichas before Shachas, you can't say Sichas, so then uh, if the only other option is not saying slichas, or much is better to say slichas then uh, before Chatzai Salayla, at least, he says, after 10 o'clock when you're ready in the second third of the night. Okay, but why is slichas yeah, the ideal time? Chatzai Salayla, Talashmaris, Habayka, Magan Avram explains, because that's an ace rotten before HaKadosh Baruch However, perhaps we can suggest that the reason why that is the ideal time to say slichas is because slichas corresponds to this new period of time that we have encountered, we've entered into uh, at this period of the year, a few days before Rosh Hashanah, corresponding to the day that Kodesh Baruch created the world. And therefore that demands that we offer a fourth tefillah. But that fourth tefillah, like every other tefillah, is entitled to its own reserved slot within our daily schedule. 
But every other slot is occupied, the convenience slots. The, the morning slot is given to Shachris. That's from Allah says, Shachat to Chatzais Hayoim. From Chatzais Hayoim until Shkias Achama, a person could have a mincha. Shkias Achama to Chatzais Halayla, a person could have a marav. The only available slot that wasn't occupied yet is from Chatzais Halayla until the Hashmaris Habayker. And perhaps that's why it's the ideal time to recite Slichas. Corresponding to this new dimension of time, to this uh, new period, of the Yavim Neiroim that we enter into on the first night of Slichas. However, perhaps we can suggest that Slichas are recited specifically at night for an additional reason. Ideally, at night, for an additional reason. And that is because the Torah and Hilchas Rosh Hashanah quote from the Pirkei Dura Belazar, <coughs> we have a minute to blow to beginning on Rosh Chaydesh Elul, throughout the duration of the month of Elul. And the Pirkei Dura Belazar explains that because on Rosh Chaydesh Elul, Moshe Rabbeinu ascended to Harsinai, in order to receive the second set of luchos. And at that time, a shofar was blown in order to remind Klal Yisrael not to uh, sin once again uh, not, with a chet not to perform the Yisra of Adizara as they did uh, the first time that Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Harsinai, and uh, they thought he came back a little late, performed the chet This time, they blew a shofar to remind them not to do the aver of the chet again. How does blowing the shofar remind Klal Yisrael not to perform the uh, Chet or not to worship Avedi Zara? So many explain that it's because the first time Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Arsina in order to receive the first set of Luchais, Klal Yisrael knew that he was supposed to be there for a period of 40 days. But Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Harsina in the middle of the afternoon. And Klal Yisrael began their calculations you know, that that was day one. However, that really wasn't supposed to be the first day of Moshe Rabbeinu being on our Sinai. Really, they should have started counting that night, because it's the night that precedes the day. So therefore, they were 12 hours early. So therefore, their calculations were all off, and they thought Moshe Rabbeinu only descended 12 hours uh, late. But in fact, they started counting early. They counted that afternoon. The Moshe Rabbeinu went up to our Sinai as they won. They really only should have started counting at night. And therefore, when Moshe Rabbeinu ascended... <laughs> Harsinai the second time, in order to receive the second set of Luchas of Rishchei the Shalom, uh, in order to remind, he also ascended in the afternoon, and this time a shofar was blown. And the shofar was in order to remind Klali, so don't begin counting now. Wait until tonight. That's going to be day one of your calculations of the 40 days. Don't make the same mistake again. However, Rabbi Yosef Nechem Yekornetun, Rabbi Yosef Nechem Yekornetun was the Rav in Krakow before the war. He suggests in his drashish that perhaps the Tkiyah Shafer of Chaydish Elo carries with it a deeper message, which is relevant not only to the Dar Hamidbar, who was calculating Moshe Rabbeinu's time, 40 days in Harsinai, but is really relevant uh, in all subsequent generations as well. And that is why we continue to blow the Tkiyah Shafer in our times as well. And that is because of Yaakov writes in the Emes Liyakov, it's also already found in the writings of the Panam Yafas and Parashas Bereshis, that prior to Kabbalah Satira, from the time that Adam Harishan was created, it was the day that preceded the night. Because that was the way the first day of Adam Harishan's life was experienced. He was created during the day, and then it was the night that followed. So from the time of creation, it was the day that preceded the night. After Kabbalah Satira, there was a fundamental shift, a change that occurred. And now, it was the night that preceded the day that followed. And Rabbi Yosef Nechemia explains that this represented a fundamental change in our priorities. Prior to Kabbalah Satur, from the time that the world was created, it was the day that preceded the night. 
because our primary focus in life was to succeed in the physical world, to build a civilization, and a person is at his peak of strength, physical strength, in the morning. That's when we're strongest. As the day progresses, our strength begins to wane and becomes depleted. And therefore, since uh, before Kabbalah's Hatayra, our primary focus in life is to be successful in the physical world, the day began during the day, and it was the day that preceded the night. However, after Kabbalah's Hatayra, there was a fundamental change. Everything changed. There was a fundamental change in our priorities. Then now, it was no longer our primary focus to be successful in the physical world. Our primary focus to be successful in the spiritual world. And when is a person at the peak of his spiritual uh, strength is at the end of the day. That's when a person is wiser, when he had the experience of everything that he's endured throughout the day. And now he has a little bit more knowledge and experience. That's when a person is at the speak uh, of his phys- uh, spiritual strength. And therefore, after Kabbalah Satira, there was a shift that occurred. There was a night that preceded the day. And at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Harsinai to receive the second set of Luchos, a shofar was blown. And the shofar was in order to remind Klau Yisrael, to remind them that this shift was about to occur. Don't begin counting now during the day. It's no longer the day that precedes the night. Your focus is no longer to be successful in the physical world. Our primary focus is to be successful in the spiritual world. That's our focus. And therefore, it's the night that precedes the day you should begin counting at night. And so too, as we bloat Kiyah Shefer throughout the Chaydesh is to remind us of this same uh, change that has occurred. Oftentimes throughout the year, we confuse, we uh, become lost as to what it is that is our primary focus in life. What is the Ikar? And what is the Tafel? And therefore we blow the Shefer during Chaydesh to remind us of that same message that was conveyed to Christ at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Harsinai, that it is the night that precedes the day. Our primary focus is to be successful in the spiritual world, not so in the physical world. And perhaps that is why we begin saying Slichus at night, particularly at Amatzei Shabbos, which is the height of our spiritual strength throughout the week, to remind us that it is the night that precedes the day. Our primary focus in life is to be successful in the spiritual world, not to be successful necessarily in the physical world, to remind us what is the Ikar, what is the Tafel. In the olden days, the way people used to shoplift and steal, you'd be in a store, not that I did this, but you'd be in a store, and you would uh, take an item off the shelf, slip it in your pocket or your pocketbook, and try and sneak out of the store with the item without anybody noticing. But as time has progressed, people become uh, more sophisticated. So now the new trend in shoplifting is what's called ticket switching. A guy walks into a store, I'm not recommending it, but a guy walks into a store, takes with his cell phone a picture of a barcode, of a cheap item, a box of pencils. He goes home, prints a label with that barcode on it. Then he comes back to the same store, he takes a box with a laptop inside, and he slaps on the label for the box of pencils. Then he goes to the shelf uh, checkout aisle, and the Target, the Home Depot or something, and he walks out uh, paying you know, $3 for something that should cost $3,000. It's mice and bacholion. This is going on all the time. Every uh, month or so there's another incident of a person who's arranging such a uh, scheme. And then they take it. If you're really sophisticated, you take that back to a different store, you know, with the real uh, barcode and return it, then you can get cash, uh, cash back. This has been going on a long time. Ticket switching. 
So in the olden days, you would do this uh, uh, by just actually taking the price tag off one item and putting it on a different item. So my situation, it happened a few years ago. People broke into a Tiffany's and they uh, didn't steal anything. Stealing stuff, the stuff is stolen. It's hard to uh, you know, sell it. All they did was switch the price tags from the expensive items to the less expensive items. And you know, the less expensive items, they put on the more expensive items. Then their plan was to come back the following day and buy all the expensive items for much cheaper. It's a good idea. However, the store clerk realized that what had taken place, and you can look it up, this happened, famous case in Tiffany's, and they spent that closed the store the whole day in order to switch back the price tags to the way they were supposed to be. However, perhaps this has a message for us as well. And that is oftentimes throughout the year, we exchange the Iker for the Tafel. We do the same time of uh, ticket switching. We confuse what is the expensive item with the less expensive item, you know, the more expensive with the less expensive. We think th certain things are eager in life, what so-and-so said to me, what the, you know, this happened, that happened. <coughs> and we don't realize that that's really a tough hill. The eager in life, of course, is to be successful in the spiritual world. And we cheat ourselves. We steal from ourselves. Uh, we shoplift from ourselves in exchanging the eager for the tough hill and the tafel for the ikar. The whole source for the mitzvah of vidui, confessing averas, is found in the context and connection with theft, the Pasuk and Parshish Nosai, which tells us, Vizvadu es chatasum asher osu. should perform vidui for that avera that we performed. That's the source of the mitzvah of vidui. Why is the source of the mitzvah of vidui found uh, dafka in the parasha of theft, of stealing? So Chedusha Arim explains, because every time we perform an avera, we're really stealing from ourselves. We're exchanging what is the eker in life for the tuffel, the tuffel for the eker. We've shoplifted, we've stolen from ourselves, and therefore the parasha of vidui is found in the context of theft, of stealing, because we've stolen from ourselves. The Mishnah tells us in Mishnah's Bikurim, <clears throat> when a person would bring his Bikurim, his first fruits, to the Kayan in the Beis Hamikdash, she would have to perform Mikra Bikurim. You'd have to recite one of the parashas. The Torah is found in last week's uh, parasha. So the Mishnah says, Berishayna, initially when people came to present the Bikurim to the Kohen, those who knew how to read the Mikra Bikurim would read the Mikra Bikurim themselves. They were laying it from the Sefer Torah. Those who didn't know how, so they would uh, have someone else laying for them. However, this led to an uncomfortable situation that you had uh, people who didn't know uh, how to lay, uh, they had to have a, a point, someone to point for them, and others who knew how to lay didn't have someone to point. They didn't get to an embarrassing situation. They were misaken that everyone should have someone else laying it for them, of course, is the, the, you know, the foreshadowing to what we do at every Kriya Satire. We have point uh, about Kari on behalf of everyone, not to be Mavayas, as Misha, any or there. However, the Taisis Yantav there asks that the very next Mishnah tells us that when a person would present his first fruits to the Kayin, he would have to do so in a container, in a tenna, in a basket. So Mishnah says those who you know, had the ability were presented to be Kurim in gold and silver baskets. And those who didn't have uh, resources would present their Bikurim in wicker baskets. So Taisi Yantav says, why don't we make, that's embarrassing work, could create an uncomfortable situation. Who has more or less? So why don't they make a Takana? Everyone should uh, present the Bikurim in wicker baskets. And we find such a precedent for that Takana, because the Gemara says in Mesech was made cotton. That when a person like Elena would get up, uh, come up after a Leviah, would begin sitting Shiva, so the community would provide them with, with a meal. And those who had means would provide the food in gold and silver bowls. And those who didn't have means would provide the food to others in wicker baskets. 
So Gemara says that led to an uncomfortable situation of who has more, who has less. The Misakin that everyone should provide the food uh, to the to others in wicker baskets and homemade baskets. So why don't they make such a similar takana with regards to bikurim? That's the kash of the Taisis Yantiv. So Taisis Yantiv says because in the base hamikdash is different. That's it. When they would present the bikurim to the kohen, it would be in the base of base hamikdash is different. But Taisis Yantiv doesn't explain why it's different. So Beraizman once suggested that perhaps it's different because in the Beis HaMikdash it's clear what's the Ikar in life and what's the Tafel. It's clear that the Ikar in life is to be successful in the spiritual world. To be successful in the physical world is not as important. That's a Tafel. Outside of the Beis HaMikdash these things are confused. So outside the Beis HaMikdash one person is bringing a gold ball, one's bringing a wicker ball. People will become embarrassed, so they made it that kind of everyone should bring in wicker baskets. In the base Hamikdash, everyone is aware of what's really important. So no one's getting embarrassed about who has more, who has less, this bowl, that bowl. What's really embarrassing? What's really embarrassing is a person who doesn't know how to learn Torah. That's what's embarrassing. So when it came to the Mikra Bikurim, that they made a takana to not to embarrass this Misha any of their Likros. In the base Hamikdash, it was clear. And so to the first night of Slichus, as we enter now into the period of the Yomim Neiroim, to this new dimension of time which warrants its own tefillah, uh, we hear, uh, specifically at night, which reminds us of what is the Iker in life, it's time to uh, reorganize our priorities and to begin to chart a new course in life, a new uh, direction for the coming year, based on these new priorities of what is really the Iker, what is the Tafel. Pasuk tells him, Parashas Nitzavim, he puts two people together, in the same pasuk, seem to have nothing to do with one another. The pasuk says, bechem isho, isho mishpacha yishevet, maybe to be a man or woman, a family or a tribe, asher levava hayoyim, whose heart has gone astray, me'im Hashem aloikeinu, v'kadosh baruch hu l'alech es l'avad, es who's gone to worship Avay Dezara. The pasuk continues, or penyeish bechem shayrash parerosh v'lano, maybe there's someone who has a bad character trait. So the pasuk begins, with a person who's worshipping uh, left the religion entirely he's gone off the derech, gone, goodbye worshiping and in the same pasuk, same breath person who has midos rose how could these two be put together? what do they have to do with one another? one guy, a guy who's coming it's better, it's better, okay together with a guy who's left the religion entirely how could they both be mentioned in the same breath in the same pasuk? So Penach Libuatu, of course, was a Rosh Hashiva in the Chavis Chaim, explains in the Sefer Kedushi Halev that it's because while it's true right now, these two people are in very different places, but they're on the same trajectory in life. A person's not monitoring himself about how he conducts himself, so he's already on the wrong path. And yes, right now he's far away from the guy, you know, worshiping over the Zara. But ultimately, if he continues down that path, that's where he could end up. And therefore, the two are already mentioned in the same pasuk. He continues that once a very mayor bluff was standing on the train platform in Chicago together with his Talmidim and there was one train on one side that was going to California, another train that was going to New York. So he said to his Talmidim, how far apart are these two trains? And they looked down on the ground, you know, maybe eight to ten feet between one uh, you know, train and the platform and the other train. He said, no, they're 3,000 miles apart because one is headed in one direction and the other is headed in the other direction. And oftentimes in life, it's not important necessarily where we are, but in what direction we're headed. And that's really the process of tshuva that we have to engage in at the beginning of the period of the Yom Neirah, beginning 
with the first night of Slichus and through Rosh Hashanah, is not focused on specific actions of where we are necessarily, but more about where are we going. What are our priorities in life and what direction are we headed? The Ramam writes in the third parak of Hilchus Teshuva that on every year on Rosh Hashanah is a calculation that's made. And a person who has more mitzvahs than Averis is labeled as a tzaddik and he's nechtam l'chaim. A person who has more Averis than mitzvahs is uh, labeled as a rosha. It says around nechtam l'elein misa. And a person who has exactly the same number of mitzvahs and Averis is deemed to be a bayoni. He's held in limbo waiting until uh, Yom Kippur. And if a person does tshuva, he's nechtam l'chaim. If not, Mishnah there asks in the Ramam and Hilchas Tshuva Paragimel He asks, why does this Benoni have to do Tshuva? Why can't if he's exactly you know uh, the same number of mitzvahs and averes? Let him daven mincha, that will tip the scales in his favor and it'll be nachtam l'chaim. Why does he have to do Tshuva? Many Achrayim suggest different possibilities. The Kachvayor Yisak Blaza suggests that it's perhaps squandering the opportunity to do Tshuva during Dirshu Hashem also during the period of the Aserim made Tshuva. It's such a great Avera that it outweighs, it eclipses any other possible mitzvahs a person could do. Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz suggests, so to Rabbi Aaron Cutler, has in the mission to Rabbi Aaron, that it's perhaps because whatever mitzvah you do now during the Sarasim Meitshuva will only accrue to the following year. They won't help you for the previous year's cheshben. So you're stuck in limbo. The only thing that you can do to change the past, the only mitzvah that can change the past, alter the past, is tshuva. And that's why that's his only option. However, Rav Hutner suggests in the Pachat Yitzchak, and this is already alluded to in the Meiri, in the Chibra Tshuva, that, which I think is compelling, is that the Rambam is not discussing a person who has a literally, a, you know, the childish notion of a uh, numerical stalemate between mitzvahs and Averis. Can't be. Because the Rambam says we should all view ourselves as Benonim during this period of the year. Uh, if it's exactly, a person is exactly known mitzvah, how common could that possibly be? How many people fit into that category? And moreover, uh, why should the tzaddik who has more mitzvahs than Averas be nechem immediately l'chaim? Why isn't he held accountable for all those Averas that he did in the past? He has more. Okay, I understand. But what about all the Averas? <coughs> Therefore, Avodna suggests that on Rosh Hashanah, during this period of the year, our judgment is not about specific actions, Averas, mitzvahs, are held off to Yom Kippur. But rather, the judgment of Rosh Hashanah is more about our trajectory, our religious arc, are we uh, coming closer to the Rebbeinu Shalalem or are we trending further away? Is our religious commitment intensifying or is it subsiding? And many people are torn, are conflicted about whether they're trending closer to the Rebbeinu Shalalem or slipping further away. And that is what the din of Rosh Hashanah is all about. The Benoni is a person who's torn, who's conflicted. And therefore, during this period of the year, we have to do a cheshman anefesh, not a cheshman anefesh of the number of mitzvahs with the number of avairus, but the cheshman anefesh of a person who uh, is taking stock of his direction in life. Where are we trending? In which direction are we headed in? Aaron Akarin passed away, as we know, during Chedesh Av. Rashi writes in Parshish Chukas, 30 days later, which is during the month of Elul, we did battle with Sichoin, also mentioned in this week's parasha. And Rav Tzadik, Chudush Arim, both write that Sichon is described as Melech Cheshbon, the king of Cheshbon. Because the whole year long, uh, we, uh, the king of Cheshbon rules over us. We don't take time to take stock of our actions, of which direction we're headed in. But comes Chodesh El, we do battle with Sichon, Melech Cheshbon, 
Now is the time to do a cheshbon nefesh, not only about the number of mitzvahs and averis, but about which direction we're headed in. As we know, Elo is Berosh Tevis, Ani L'daydi V'daydi Li. I am for my beloved, and my beloved is for me. Ani, of course, means I. But Ani is derived from the word uh, on, or Ano, with a hey. What does that mean? So the Mishnah tells us in Mesechtas, Ovis, a person should always keep in mind three things, and I'll never perform an Avera, which is, Me'ayin Basa, Ula'ana Tohoylech, where he came from, where he's going, Omi also Litein Din V'cheshven. So the word an, or ano, with a hey, refers to a person's location, his direction. That's why, as opposed to ana Hashem, Hashiana with an aleph, that means, please, HaKadosh Baruch answer me, save me. Ana Hashem, Kiani Avdecha, with a hey, means where are you, HaKadosh Baruch so that I can serve you. And so too, therefore, ani, who I am, is ha'an shali. The direction that we're headed in, that defines who we are. And therefore, if it's ani l'daydi, if we readjust uh, ourselves, recommit ourselves to intensifying relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, ani l'daydi, towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaddish Baruch Hu responds l'daydi li, that he will recommit to reintensify his connection to us as well. So let us, uh, there, as we enter into this new dimension, this new time period, the period of the Yom Nehraim, we begin the process of reorganizing our priorities. We're reminded at night the spiritual heights of our week about what is the Iker in life and what is the Tafel. And we organize a chart a course for the coming year of coming closer to Rebbe Nishalelam. Ani l'daydi. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu respond v'daydi li and inscribe us all. Tzivach zimotayvah and a good dimension.